you have put together for our benefit and uh, for your glory. And so we thank you for this time. We thank you that we get to be together. And uh, Father, as we come to your word now, and we open up and we read from the Old Testament, and we're not always as familiar with the Old Testament, I pray that you would help us this morning to set aside the things that distract us. I pray right now, actually, that, uh, that each of us would identify those things that might be distracting to us. Maybe it's uh, sin that we have uh, that remains unconfessed. I pray that we would confess that now, that we would repent of that even now. Father, I pray also that uh, if there's something else we're thinking about, whether it's um, something that we did this past week or something that we're anticipating coming up or something we're afraid of um, or something we're uh, completely enthused about that might be distracting to us, I pray that we would set that aside as well. Father, I pray particularly if we have broken relationships um, represented even in our body here, I pray that we would identify those and that we would determine that we will go and resolve, that we will bring resolution, that we will uh, apologize where we need to apologize, that we will uh, confess sin where we need to do that, where we will give forgiveness where we need to do that, that we would be uh, united, that we would not have broken relationships here, that we would uh, not have things like that that would get in the way of uh, my own worship, uh, of our worship together, of our honoring you, of our uh, witness and testimony to the community. I pray that if we have any of that, that we would set that aside. Father, I pray that you'd help us to engage. I pray that you, by your Spirit, would work in our hearts, that we would be attentive to the preaching of your Word, and that you would teach us, that you would lead us, that we would understand better about the Sabbath as a result of our time here today than we did going in. So, Father, we give you glory. We look forward to seeing what you have for us. Thank you for your word, and we ask for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, am I too far forward? Is that part of the problem with the reverb? Maybe it's my issue. So just point at me and make hand gestures. All right. So probably most of you are are familiar with uh, Eric Liddell, or Eric Little as I always pronounced it. And if you've seen uh, the movie Chariots of Fire, or maybe you've uh, read some of the books about him, a very interesting man. And uh, I remember I saw the movie before I was a Christian, and it meant one thing. It meant something about a great athlete. And then later I saw it after I'd become a Christian, and it meant something completely different, though I I still didn't fully understand uh, what was going on. But basically, Eric Liddell, who's called the Flying Scotsman, he was uh, a great athlete. He was a Christian man. And in the 1924 Olympics... He was, um, he was competing, uh, he was a runner, and he was competing. His favorite, his favorite um, event was the 100 meters. And he was, um, he, he should have won that. He, like, that was his favorite, and he was really, really fast. Uh, but when time came for that competition at the Olympics, it turned out that that competition was going to be on a Sunday. And Eric Liddell is a Christian, and he determined that he wasn't going to compete. And so he didn't compete. In, in that event because it was on a Sunday and that was against his beliefs. And so instead he competed in the, the 400 meter, which was not his favorite event, but he won a gold in that anyway. And uh, that, that was on a weekday. And uh, so the, the story of Eric Liddell is very interesting. And he went on to be a, a missionary and um, very interesting guy and encouraging and challenging. But uh, he gave up, he gave up, you know, one of two gold medals essentially 
because of what he believed about the Sabbath. And so Sabbath is a is an interesting topic, and it's a powerful topic. And turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Exodus chapter 31. And if you're using the Pew Bible, that's page 72. How should we understand the Sabbath? How should we look at it? How should we um, apply that in our lives? And obviously, when you think about it in the New Testament, it was very important. How many arguments did Jesus end up having with the Jewish religious leaders about his actions on the Sabbath, about what was and was not allowed on the Sabbath and what was the purpose of the Sabbath? The Sabbath was a big deal in the New Testament also. And so um, how should we think about it? How should we think about it? It was a a constant topic of conversation for Jesus. Um, But how should we in our day think about it? A couple of months ago, we went through the Ten Commandments. And since we're covering the book of Exodus and covering all 40 chapters in a a set period of time, we didn't slow down too much during the Ten Commandments. We kind of covered them quickly. And when we covered the Fourth Commandment, we read this from Exodus chapter 20. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And at that time when we went through the Ten Commandments and we covered this, the Fourth Commandment, we just made some, some quick comments in passing and then kind of moved on. But uh, as it turns out, in Exodus, we run into several places later on where the Sabbath is going to be spoken of much more in depth even than it was there in the Ten Commandments. And so as we come to our passage today in chapter 31 and uh, verses 12 through uh, 17, let me go ahead and read that for us and then we're going to talk about how to understand the Sabbath and really what's going on with it and uh, what it means for us. So let's go ahead and read chapter 31, verses 12 through 17. And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So why, is, why, why are we hearing about the Sabbath now? Why this place in the book? Well, if you, if you flip back a few chapters and, and remember back a few weeks in our preaching, you can see that we 
covered several weeks about how to construct the sanctuary, the tabernacle, how to put that together and all the furnishings that went in it and all that kind of stuff, Uh, the very specific designs that God had, use this color and this kind of thread and this kind of stone and, and make it this way and all that stuff. And then he got to the priests and he talked about how you make the priests garments and they were particularly significant and, and how you were to, uh, even consecrate the priests and all that stuff. And so, You have all of that coming together and after the description of the place where worship was to take place and the men who were to be leading in that worship and facilitating that, after all of that, then he comes and talks about the Sabbath itself, the Sabbath itself. And so he's he's talking about um, this unique time in the week, this one day of the week that was going to be set aside and very particular. And so we're going to look uh, look at this this command about the Sabbath in three different stages. And first of all, we just want to look at the command itself. And then we're going to talk about some of the reasoning that's given behind it as to why it was given and therefore help us understand how we should understand it, how we should apply it. So first of all, let's look at the command itself. The command is you shall rest on the Sabbath. Of course, the Sabbath is the seventh day, which means Saturday. Shabbat, it means Saturday, right? So that's, uh, that's the day when they rested and that's that's what they were to do on that day was rest. And the way they did it, the way their calendar worked, a day started at sundown on what we would call the previous day. So for example, the Sabbath, Saturday started sundown right at the end of Friday. So Friday ends at sundown and Sabbath starts at sundown. And that's how their calendar works. So we, we tend to think in terms of midnight to midnight, or maybe we think of morning to morning, but um, that's the way they did it. They thought of sundown to sundown. So uh, first, the first thing about it, we read there in verse 15, uh, six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest. That's in verse 15. It's a day of rest. That's kind of the theme of it, is it's to be a day of rest. The people of Israel had been slaves in Egypt, remember, just a few months prior in our history. They'd been slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years, and there was no rest day for the slaves. And so they had worked that time. There was no Egyptian who was given charge of making sure everybody got to rest enough. They really didn't care, okay? These, these were their slaves, and they drove them. And so there, there was no one in charge of that. There, there was no break. There was no rest. And so this commandment was that the people and all those connected with them, including the working animals, by the way, were all to cease from regular work on the seventh day of the week. So this is like a new idea for them, or it's a new experience for them. There's indication that it's maybe not a new idea because of creation and things like that that had gone on before, but it's a new experience for them because for hundreds of years, they just worked all the time. And here we have the introduction of this idea. Even their animals get to rest, right? Imagine how much of a blessed change that would be if all of your life you had just worked always seven days a week, 10 days a week is in the, in the Egyptian calendar, uh, but you just worked always incessantly. And now all of a sudden, God, who has rescued you, says you not only have the opportunity to rest one day a week, you must rest one day a week. And so what a blessed change that would have been, even from life just a few months before, right? God is not like their Egyptian taskmasters. He's their master. He's their Lord. But he's not like the taskmasters that they had when they were back in Egypt. I've mentioned this before, and I want to bring it up again, that there's a theme throughout the book of Exodus of service. 
And particularly if you look at the Hebrew roots, you can see some other things, service, servitude, work, uh, some other things like that. Sometimes worship is connected with that. Uh, But if you think back to the beginning of the book of Exodus, they were in slavery under the Egyptians. They worked like dogs, right? And, And if you remember when Moses came to them the first time and said, you know, came to Pharaoh and said, let my people go, what did Pharaoh do? He made him work harder. <laughs> he said, you're just trying to give them rest. And well, I'm not going to have that. So here they're going to, I'm going to double their work essentially. So he made their work more difficult. And so you have this picture that at the beginning, they're in, they're in service to the Egyptians. They are Pharaoh's servants. And then when God speaks to Moses in chapter three, what does he say to him? I'm going to take you out of there and they're going to come worship me, serve me on this mountain. They serve Pharaoh. I'm going to rescue them so they can serve me. And then the rest of the book, we see how that theme kind of plays out about service to God. And so there's a theme of service, but there's also a theme that that service is drastically different in service to God as opposed to service to Pharaoh. It's still service. It's still the same word. They're still not the boss, but it's drastically different than it had been. God is not like their Egyptian taskmasters. He cares about them. He cares about their work and their rest schedules. He cares enough to make them rest one day a week. So if you think about our own world, it seems to me, and this is kind of just my observation, my opinion, that our world has become more and more hectic. It seems like the labor-saving devices that we've come up with in the last 50, 60 years have saved labor and given us opportunity to do more things. So, you know, a microwave, you can, you know, zap your coffee in 90 seconds or whatever and be, be on your way if that's what you're going to do so you can accomplish something else. You, did, you didn't kick your feet up, you know, as the, the di- you know, let's say it takes 10 minutes to boil water and you zapped your coffee in 90 seconds. You didn't spend that eight and a half minutes with your feet kicked up enjoying the fact that you just saved some labor, right? No, you went on and did something else, right? If you were me, you just forgot the coffee in there anyway and went about your business. But... But it seems like our world has gotten more, more hectic. It seems like people are busier than they've ever been before, right? That doesn't mean they're necessarily busy about things that are profitable or about, uh, busy about things that are productive or that they should be doing. But people are, are crazy busy. Frenetic is the word that comes to mind, right? And so, um, and if you think about your own schedule, if you were like looking through your schedule, thinking through your week, and there was a time when you had zero planned you might even feel a little bit guilty. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm just lazy. Maybe, you know, I better not tell my friends that I, you know, had nothing planned. Like we, we almost feel bad about having a blank in our schedule somewhere, right? Our culture drives us to the point where we're just always going, always going, always doing, right? I love my phone, but I, I can always be in communication. I can always be sending an email. I can always be a- accomplishing, right? I can always be working and going. And um, God gives them, God gives the Israelites this commandment to make it mandatory that they rest all the way rest every week. And I believe that this same type of pattern holds true for God's people today. If you were to do an assessment, a self-evaluation of your own life and the cost that you are paying for being as busy as you are, what do you think the cost would be in terms of relationships that you've overlooked? Friendships you don't have time for. Maybe you don't have time for your spouse. Maybe you don't have time for your kids. Maybe you don't have time for your parents. 
relationships that are overlooked or that have, have become weakened? Or are you paying a cost in terms of health problems? Always going, always going, always going. Is your spiritual... Uh, maybe, there's a, maybe there's a malnourishment or some stunted growth. Maybe that's the cost you're paying, right? Because you're so busy, you can't slow down and read your Bible. You can't slow down and pray. You can't, you can't, you know, like I'm, I'm so busy. I can't make it to church on Sunday morning or I can't make it to, you know, to, to, to connect group or whatever. Are you paying a price in your spiritual life? What's the cost your kids are paying? Are they spiritually malnourished because of uh, your busy schedule or their busy schedule? There's a cost. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's meant to benefit us. And one of the ways is in terms of rest. He required it of the people. So that's first of all, it was to be a day of rest. It's also to be holy for Israel. Look at, at uh, verse 14. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. It's holy for Israel. The Sabbath was to have a very special significance in the weekly schedule and the religion of the Jews. And you can see by the time you get to the New Testament that it was a very important part of their week, right? It was to be treated as a holy thing for them, something not to be forgotten, something not to be skipped over, right? Something not to be profaned is the word that the Bible uses. In the fourth commandment, we read, six days you shall labor and do all your work. What that means is you have seven days worth of work to do, and you need to get that done in six days so that you can rest on the seventh day because that seventh day is holy. It is to be holy. Having a holy day on your calendar would mean that at the, at the very beginning of each week, when you're writing out your calendar for the week, you would set aside that day first and you would schedule that day first so that it didn't get run over. The thing you schedule first is the thing least likely to get run over in your calendar. So schedule that one first. Sabbath being holy means that the events of your week and all the other days of your week should make way for the Sabbath and not the other way around. If you were a Jew, you had to do that because you saw what the penalty was. If you ended up working, I just need to finish the... It was death. The penalty was extremely strong and we're going to get to why that was the case. You had to set aside that week first. You had to schedule that week first. Block it off in your calendar that day first so that you would not profane the Sabbath. So the question for us is how often does church or Sunday school attendance or connect group attendance or, or whatever have to make way in your schedule for other pursuits that you have? You just ran out of time in your week. Sorry, Sunday morning's got to go. Or you schedule other things instead of Sunday morning. How backwards that is. He said it's to be holy for them. It's to be holy for them. It's not only to be holy for Israel, but it's also to be holy to the Lord. Look at verse 15. The seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. When we read here that the Sabbath is to be holy to the Lord, what it means is that the Sabbath is to be set apart solely to the Lord, for the Lord as his possession. That's his. It's not yours. It's his. It's holy to the Lord. It's set apart for him. The Sabbath is not just a weekend break from work. It's holy to the Lord. It belongs to Him. It's to be directed towards Him. It's His, and we're stewards of it. 
I want to pause here for a second and, and think about how this applies to us. Right? The Sabbath is the seventh day of the week, Saturday. You'll notice if you check your clock, your clock is not wrong, your watch is not wrong. It is Sunday today, and we're together. We weren't together yesterday, right? So we, we don't celebrate the Sabbath literally as we read here, right? Why do we observe Sabbath on Saturday? Have you thought about that? I've been asked that question recently. What, you know, you read about Sabbath, you read about seventh day. Why are we here on the first day of the week, not the seventh day of the week? Right? Jesus said, first of all, in Matthew chapter 5, he said that he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Right? So he, he doesn't just do away with it entirely. That's not it. He came not to abolish it, but to fulfill it. All right? So that means something different. So in, in regard to the Sabbath rest, we see, for example, that the author of uh, Hebrews in chapter 4 argues that the Sabbath was intended to point the Jews forward to a time when they would have rest from their work. It was to be rest every week, but it was also to be an indicator. It was to be something, that, a sign that pointed forward to talk about rest that they were going to have, right? Rest in the land. Yeah, but they, the writer of Hebrews says that wasn't really fulfilled. That wasn't, it was to something even larger than rest in the land. So it was to point them forward, right? It was to be a benefit for God's people and to point them forward. The Sabbath was to, so really supposed to point forward to the future, true, ultimate final Sabbath rest, which Christ brings to us. We have rest from our works, Christian. We don't have to continue trying to earn God's favor. We can't do that. In Christ, we get the ultimate rest. We can rest from our works. Those of us who are saved by faith in Christ and by His works, we rest from our own. I don't have to do works that I rely upon to impress God. That never worked out anyway, though the majority of religions in the world are doing such a thing. But the Bible says that Jesus came and he finished it all. He, he is the source of our ultimate rest. And so this Old Testament law that we're reading about here was intended to point forward to an ultimate rest that was to come. That rest is found in Christ. And here we are in Christ. So what does that mean? Does that abolish the Sabbath? Is it completely gone? Do we do away with it? Well, when we look at the New Testament church... We see a pattern of them no longer meeting for worship on the Sabbath, but they start meeting on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, right? And that's called the Lord's Day. And it's called that because that's the day Jesus rose from the dead, Sunday. So it's much more fitting rather than to worship, set aside worship on the day that is pointing forward to to ultimately to hope in Christ when we actually have the hope in Christ and Jesus has fulfilled the law, why not worship on his day, the day he rose from the dead? And so that's why we're here on a Sunday and that's why we weren't here yesterday. Okay, it's called the Lord's Day. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, the church was gathered on the first day of the week to break bread together and that's when Paul took the opportunity to address them. So they were gathered specifically, the church there was gathered on the first day of the week. That's this day, right? 1 Corinthians uh, 16 and verse 2, Paul gives instructions when he's gathering money for the poor Christians. He's going to go gather, uh, gather up money from these different churches and take, take that to the destitute Christians. He tells them, here's a good idea. While, essentially, while you're together on the first day of the week, set aside your money so that when I come, we don't have to do a big, you know, I'll wait, I'll go home and get my money. Bring it on the first day of the week. The idea is you're already together. Bring your offering then. And so we see that. Uh, already in the book of uh, uh, 1 Corinthians. We saw that in Acts also. And 
Then later on in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10, we see that John says he, he received a vision when he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. The idea being he, was, he had set aside the first day of the week, the Lord's day, to, to worship the Lord. And that's when vision came and all that stuff. And so that's the evidence you have from the New Testament that really the believers shifted from worshiping on the Sabbath, which is Saturday, and instead started worshiping on the Lord's day, which is today, right? So there have been some changes, and that's why we don't chuck it entirely. Uh, Yes, Jesus came to fulfill the law, um, not to abolish it, right? In himself, he provides the Sabbath rest for Christians. But we don't see the New Testament church abandoning any kind of weekly day of rest and worship. They didn't abandon it. They, they were very aware of the realities of the rest that had been accomplished by Jesus, but they didn't chuck the whole thing. They instead began to meet on the first day of the week, today, Sunday. That's why we meet on Sundays. And as we look later on through the rest of our outline at the reasons and the purpose of the giving of the Sabbath, we'll see that those things apply to us as well. Okay? So we're going to move on to our second point, the reason, the because part. Right? He, he, he gives this commandment about the Sabbath. He tells us what to do on the Sabbath. And then he says several, uh, well, at least two here, because type statements. First of all, because the Lord rested after creation. Right? We read back in, in the uh, uh, Ten Commandments in verse 11 of chapter 20, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And so the Sabbath resting on the seventh day is rooted in creation. It's, it's God gave us in, in the way he created. He created for six days and rested on the seventh. He gave us a pattern for how we're to live life. And so the idea of the Sabbath, it wasn't just out of the blue. We see it all the way back in creation. In Genesis chapter 2, we see God resting. Right, And so when Israel rested on the seventh day, they were following in God's footsteps. They were imitating him. They were giving him honor with the way they lived their lives. Now, pause here for a second. What does it mean that God rested? I mean, did he work up a really bad sweat, you know, and he just needed to cool off and sit down under a shade tree that he had just created? <laughs> did God need to rest? No, God did not need to rest. In, in the Hebrew idiom, the idea is... It, it, I had a a professor give me this kind of word picture one time. He said, it's as if you rebuilt your favorite sports car, right, from the ground up in your garage. However long it might take you. Some people it takes decades, I know. (laughs) You rebuild this, your favorite sport, like your hot rod, whatever car you just love and you, you invest everything, you love this thing. When you finally finished, when you finally tighten the last bolt or you, whatever is the last thing you do, what are you gonna do? Go in and have some iced tea? (laughs) you're going to jump in it, you're going to fire it up and drive it. That's how you rest. After all the work of creating that thing, you're going to get behind the wheel and go drive it, right? That's kind of the idea of God resting. He he wasn't like dusting off his hands and wiping his sweaty brow and, phew, I'm glad that's over with. He's saying, "It's, it's created. Now let's drive this thing. Let's use this thing. That's what it's for. And so that's kind of the idea of God resting on the seventh day. Now, Obviously, God can rest in that way differently than we rest in that way, right? But, but the pattern is set there for us to rest. And so the first reason, the first because, is because the Lord rested after creation. But there's a second reason. The second reason, he wants us to rest on uh, one day of the week, and he's commanding them to rest on the, the seventh day of the week, is because the Lord redeemed you. The Lord redeemed you, Israel. 
The uh, parallel account, if, if you... If you read the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, they are also found in Deuteronomy chapter 5. It's a second giving of the Ten Commandments. And so when you read in Deuteronomy chapter 5, it's worded a little bit differently. Like 40 years has passed, 30 years has passed, and so you have, you have Moses reflecting on the Ten Commandments then, and he's re-giving them to the people. And this is what he says there in Deuteronomy 5. He says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So in, De- in the Deuteronomy account, it's rooted in creation. Excuse me, in, in the Exodus account, it's, ro- it's rooted in creation. In Deuteronomy, he roots it in redemption. He roots it in redemption. You're to reflect upon the fact that you have been redeemed. You are no longer under the hand of the taskmasters. You're not, you're not Pharaoh's servant anymore. You're God's servant, and God has you serving in a different way than he did. It's rooted in redemption. God's the one they serve, and he has determined that they should rest on one day in seven. As an aside, there is rest in serving the Lord. There is rest in serving the Lord. Now that they were the redeemed of the Lord... The very change of their vocation, as it were, was a picture of the newness of life in their relationship with God. They were to take a day every week to celebrate the fact that in God they had rest. Whereas they never had before. In God they had rest. In fact, in God they had a great and full future rest to look forward to. So it wasn't just getting to you know, rest every seventh day, but, but it, it, it began to point to something that was to come, to a fuller future rest that they were going to have in God. And that's the rest that the author to Hebrews picks up in chapter 4 and says, we have, Christian. That's the rest that we have. And so those are the two reasons that are given in, uh, in Exodus and in Deut- Deuteronomy of the giving of the Sabbath is uh, because of creation and because of redemption. We're going to see how, obviously, those apply to us. But thirdly, I want to look at the purpose, the so that part, right? So he gives the Sabbath. These are the reasons he gives the Sabbath. Well, what's it to accomplish? What's the purpose of it? What's the so that? Well, first of all, it's so that they may be rested, right? That's an obvious one. And that, that is a, a, a legitimate part of this aspect. Look at, uh, listen to what he says in, 30, in Exodus 33 and verse 12. On the seventh day you shall rest that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your servant woman and the alien may be refreshed. May be refreshed. I'm sure you've noticed about yourself that you can only work so many days in a row before you really need a break. You really need refreshment, right? And the same is true for your working animal. The same is true for everybody. You need a break of some kind, right? Physical rest was certainly part of God's plan and His purpose in giving the Sabbath commandment. We say commandment, and it is a commandment, but think about how God is taking care of his people. Imagine if he had said, okay, remember your work schedule back in Egypt? You've had it easy for like two months now. You're going to go back to that work schedule for the next few hundred years. That would have been terrible. But God is merciful. He takes care of us, and so he does care about our physical rest. But secondly, he gives the commandment of the Sabbath so that you may see the perpetual sign Listen to this in 31 and verse 13. Above all, 
You shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. The Sabbath is a weekly reminder of some truths. Every week it comes up. And remember, it was very strongly commanded and disobedience to it was punishable by death. Right? It's a, it's a powerful commandment. It's very strong. He wants you to remember this stuff. What, what's the stuff he wants you to remember? Well, he wants you to remember that God is your creator. God is your creator. He gets to decide when we work and when we rest. And every week, these people would be reminded of that as they scheduled that day first. They scheduled every other day around that day because they wanted to be reminded, and God wanted them to be reminded, that he was their creator. They would also be reminded that God himself ceased on the seventh day. He stopped work on the seventh day. You're following in his footsteps when you do that. The Jews would have been reminded of this every Friday at sundown when the Sabbath started. They would have thought about these things. The reminder was there. It was a sign. It was to, it was to be a reminder. It was a pop-up to, to tell them what, what was coming and why, why they were doing it. They would also have been reminded that this same creator, God, is the one who redeemed them from slavery in Egypt. So every Sabbath, every Sabbath, they're reminded of these things, pointing to these truths about God. He was their creator. He's the one who rested. He's also their redeemer. He redeemed them out of slavery. They owed everything to the Lord who is their creator and their redeemer. It's not too much to ask for a day. And that day is for their good anyway. They were graciously reminded of those truths every single week. It's good to have reminders, right? Repetition is the mother of learning, memory, right? You repeat it, you repeat it, you repeat it, you repeat it again, again, again. And they were to be reminded it was a sign for them. But the third reason that the Sabbath, the third purpose for the Sabbath was so that you may know that the Lord sanctifies you. That's what he says in verse 13, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. That was an odd, I think I read past that the first couple times reading this chapter, and then I, I was kind of caught by it because it, it doesn't seem to fit. But the most significant thing about the people of Israel is that they had been chosen by God. That's the most significant thing about them was God's choosing of them. He had set them apart. He had chosen them to be the recipients of his law. And by obedience to that law, they would even become different in their lifestyle. They would actually stand out from their neighboring communities and they would look different. They would be different in nearly every aspect of their lives. God sanctified them in choosing them, in redeeming them, and in giving them His laws. And one great purpose of the Lord giving the Sabbath was so the people would always be reminded every single week that Yahweh was the one who sanctified them. There's a big discussion in the book of Deuteronomy where Moses, the Lord through Moses is reminding the people again and again, yeah, I chose you and it wasn't because you were great. You're a stiff-necked people. Yeah, I chose you and it's not because you're numerous. You're not numerous. <laughs> you're very small. Yeah, I chose you not because you're special, but because I decided to put my love on you. The, the message there, the message of that in Deuteronomy and here is the fact that the most important thing about them is that God had decided to make them important. He set them aside. He chose them. He gave, him, gave them his law. And by the way, this is why the penalty was so strong. This is why that penalty was so strong. Think about all the truths that we've learned and then think about the fact that if you went out and chopped wood on, sun, on Saturday anyway, 
regardless of the law, you'd be put to death. And there was actually a guy in Numbers 15 who was out gathering wood on the Sabbath and they put him to death. Because these truths are too large. God gave the command to rest one day in seven because He had done so in creation and because He had redeemed the Jews from slavery in in Egypt. Those reasons, coupled with the purposes for which He gave it, that they might be reminded weekly of the fact that their very status as God's chosen people was due to God's work and His choice rather than their own, all of those things give us a glimpse into why the penalty for profaning the Sabbath was death. Those truths are too great to profane. Those truths are too great. And if the people started to forget those things, if they started to forget where they came from, if they started to forget who was their creator, if they started to forget that, that, that it's important to do what God says, if they started to forget that, that God was their redeemer who had rescued them out of the land of slavery and given them freedom, if they started to forget those things, they begin to lose the essence of who they are as God's chosen people. They begin to lose their set-apartness. And God doesn't want that. God wants them to remember this. And so He institutes this week after week after week after week. Should Israel profane the memory of the Lord as their Creator? Should they be allowed to put out of their minds uh, and, and out of their schedules that God is not only their Creator, but He's also their Redeemer? Should they be allowed just to, just to forgo that, to delete that part? Should Israel ignore that God has graciously and mercifully chosen them to be his special people out of his own goodness and through no merit of their own? Should they just forget that? Should they be allowed to forget that? God, who has done so much to to rescue this people, has put it into their weekly schedule reminders about who he is and what he's done in their lives. He's serious about this. Those purposes and those truths were so important to God that he attached the stiffest penalty, the penalty of death, to this commandment. When you read through the Ten Commandments, it jumps off the page. Wait, put to death? Put to death? And you read through here and you read, put to death? And then Numbers 15, you see the guy was out gathering firewood on the Sabbath and he was put to death. God intends for his people to remember this. So what about us? We've already talked about the fact that Jesus came to fulfill the law. He didn't come to abolish it, but he came to fulfill it. We're talking Old Testament. We're reading through Old Testament laws given to the people of Israel. So how does this apply to us? Obviously, the death penalty does not apply to us. Praise the Lord, right? Because all of us have broken this commandment sometime. The death penalty doesn't apply, but what about us? Well, think about those reasons and those purposes for the Sabbath. And they're every bit as true for you and for me, Christian. Nothing is different for us. Didn't God create us and then rest on the seventh day? He created us just like he created Israel and rested on the seventh day. Didn't God redeem us out of uh, our bondage to sin and to the, from the penalty of sin? Didn't God redeem us just like he redeemed Israel? Yes, he redeemed us. Doesn't God still want us to rest from our hectic and distracting lives? Doesn't he still care about our physical rest and refreshment? He does. That's a legitimate part of these commandments. He does care about those things. And couldn't we benefit from a weekly sign to remind us of God's work in our lives? Would we benefit? I, I, I benefit. I benefit. I, you know, I uh, have to be here <laughs> on Sunday. I don't know if you knew that or not, right? But I kind of need to be here, right? As a pastor, I, you know, I teach and, and I'm here, right? So 
and I wonder, sometimes I wonder if I didn't have to be here, would I be here? If, if I had the choice of choosing something else, would I? But the fact is, I do need to be here, and I'm very glad because I need the reminder every week of these truths about, about who God is and what He's done in my life. And that's what Sunday is for the Christian. It's a reminder. And finally, wouldn't we also benefit from a weekly Sabbath rest to remind us of the fact that it is God who sanctifies us, that our only hope to have peace with God is the finished work of Christ on our behalf? Just imagine in your own life, how many weeks do you think you could go before you started to lose the sharpness, lose the significance of these truths? How many weeks would you have to go before you drift in your life, drift into sin, drift into unbelief, forgetting about how crucial these truths are? It wouldn't take many. It wouldn't take many. And there's a there's a weekly reminder built into our schedule. The answer to those questions tell us that we might need to give a little, little more attention to the way we use the Lord's Day. We're not talking about the Sabbath. We're talking about the Lord's Day. And I, we're, we're not giving some rule. We're not saying that, that the things that you find in 31, 12 through 17 are now transferred from the, from the seventh day of the week to the first day of the week and they apply to us. What I'm saying is these truths are still true and they are still significant for us and they are still significant enough for us to set aside a day of the week to hold on to. And so we don't have a rule at Parkside about, you know, no, no watching football on Sundays or, or uh, you know, we, we, the, the purpose of the, of the pew pad is not to, uh, you know, check to see who, is, who has missed a certain number of weeks or anything like that. We're not trying to, we're not trying to render some law. But when you read this passage, you can't get around the fact that the reasons for the giving of the Sabbath are still true. And the purposes that were accomplished in the giving of the Sabbath are still purposes we need to hold in hand. And so the challenge for us this morning is to rethink about how we think about Sunday mornings. When you think about your schedule for the week, schedule Sunday morning first. And don't let something interrupt it. Don't let something bleed into it. Do your six days or your seven days of work in six days. Get that done and don't do that stuff on the seventh. Set it aside. Set this day of the week aside to be here, to listen to the preaching of the Word, to be reminded of these truths, to worship God, let it be directed towards Him. Spend some extra, extra time on Sunday afternoons reading your Bible. Spend some extra time as a family praying. And rest. Sunday morning should not be uh, another busy thing on your busy schedule in your busy week. It should be the thing in your schedule that you schedule everything else around. And I'm preaching to the choir a little bit because you guys are all here listening to this. But I want us to think about it differently. This Studying through this has made me think differently about the Sabbath, has made me think differently about how I spend my Sundays. And I think about Eric Liddell. Gold medal. Would you turn down a gold medal because you wanted to go to church? Someone said, yeah. That would be tempting. He, I mean, he won another one. <laughs> the Lord honored him. But I want us to think about that. That's the idea I want us to have in mind when we leave. Take, take this outline and think about those truths. Think about particularly the second and third points there. Think about those truths. They are as true for us as they were for Israel. Let's honor the Lord with the way we spend our Lord's days. Let's pray.
Father, I confess to you that I very often have misused the Lord's Day. It has been Brennan's day off, or Brennan's day to nap, or Brennan's day to pursue other things. It, it hasn't been considered the Lord's Day in my mind. In some ways, and, and, and some of those instances, that's not that big a deal. In other ways, it's been a pretty big deal. Lord, thank you that you have brought this topic to our minds. It's not one we think about or talk about a lot. I've never preached on it before and never really taught, I don't think, on it. But here it is. And I see as I look into it what's what's first seems like uh, an antiquated law that's been done away with in the Old Testament is actually extremely applicable in my life, extremely applicable in our lives. Father, I pray that you would help us to think about these things. I pray that you would convict us from your word about how we should and how we should not spend our Lord's days. This isn't intended to be guilt. I'm reminded of the fact that all of this is for our good. It is for our good that we get to rest. It is for our good that we are reminded that you are our creator and our redeemer. It is for our good that we are reminded that that uh, and we're reminded every week that you are the one who sanctifies us. It's for our good. It's not drudgery. Let it be joyful for us. Help us to rejoice in setting aside this time every week first, right off the bat, as we do our calendar. Father, I do pray. Uh, there are many of us who have uh, conflicts in our schedules, things that, that have been in place for a long time or that we don't have control over. I pray that you'd be merciful and that you would help. And, and if there's no way someone can, uh, can make this change, uh, I pray that they would set aside another time where they do spend extra time worshiping you and they do spend extra time resting and they do spend extra time reading your word and, and uh, listening to sermons. And uh, I, I do pray for your blessing on those who have real legitimate struggles and conflicts uh, in, in regard to their being here instead. So I pray for your blessing on them. Father, we, we, want to, um, we want to follow after you. We want to see you honored in our lives. And I thank you that, that one of the ways we honor you is to be reminded, to remember the fact that it is you who sanctifies us. And the most important thing about us is that we, we are your children. We have been redeemed by you and we praise you for that. Father, we love you and we thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if... if uh, as, as we've been doing.